Good morning to everyone. Good morning. <clears throat> Can you hear me all right? I don't know if I'm on yet. A little quiet? Okay, I'll, maybe I'll push this up a little. Last week it was popping really bad, so... <clears throat> no napping allowed. No, no, no. <clears throat> How's that? Uh, can you hear me all right now? Very good. Okay. <clears throat> if you all want to find your seats, we can start thinking about getting started. I'm, I'm jumping in a little bit early because I've got a couple things to cover before we start. Um, we're going to finish up where we left off last week, so I have a couple of points from last week's lesson to talk about. Um, in the handouts, I have provided, I finally got it out there, where we're going with this class. And uh, I, I laid this out originally for nine weeks, but as I'm looking at the coming lessons, there's some redundancy there, and I think I'm going to trim it down to uh, six or seven weeks total. So that would mean we have about three weeks left after this week <clears throat> to cover. Uh, and so you can see kind of where we're going. Um, we've talked about who's afraid, understanding our, our, our fears, um, how God gives, gives an answer to that and putting that fear into perspective. Um, and so this week we're going to, yeah, we're going to talk about the kingdom, the message of the kingdom and how we're, how we, how that helps us to deal with our fear. And then <clears throat> next week I want to talk about people and their judgments, uh, the fear of man versus the fear of God. And then, uh, we're also going to combine with that the fear of death and judgment. And try to understand where is our hope as we as we think about that. And then uh, the week after that, we're going to talk about peace, having peace, and how prayer uh, takes a part of that. And then um, the last week, we will talk about peacemakers and shalom and, and what that looks like. And um, and then yesterday, today, and tomorrow, that'll be our last. So that's in our last week. So, the notes for today are for, uh, well, the, if, there weren't very many left, but they're, they're the rest of last week's. And then this week we have lesson, what am I on here, four? It is the message of the kingdom. That's this week's uh, lesson, so we're going to get to that in a minute. Okay, so it's 10 o'clock. Why don't we open with a word of prayer? <clears throat> Lord our God, we are thankful to be here, thankful um, for all the things that your word gives us for how to deal with our fear, how to understand it, how to put it into perspective, uh, how to see its purpose. We pray that you'll guide our thinking about that and that you will quiet our hearts as we hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> All right, so we left off last week. <clears throat> We're going to talk about worry about worry. And so... When God repeats himself, it's because there's something he wants us to really pay attention to, right? And so he's saying, this is important. I want you to understand um, what I'm telling you, why I'm telling you not to be afraid. See, is that popping again? I think it is. No? A little? Let's go down a little bit. All right. Um, worry is dangerous. Why, why is that so? Well, let's, let's look at a passage of Scripture to see if we can figure that out. Um, <clears throat> Go to Mark chapter 4. We're going to look at, um, uh, we'll, we'll, 
I'll read verse 14 to 20. The farmer sows the word. Some, pe- some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeing seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like the seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but, this is the verse that really matters in what we're thinking about here, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. There's a parallel to that in Luke 8. Uh, verses 4 to 15, and that, uh, Pastor Brett spoke about that in his sermon, I think it was three weeks ago. Um, so go back and listen to that if you want to. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so <clears throat> verse 19, uh, the ESV says the cares of this world, but another word for, th- for that are the worries of this life. Worry is a killer of spiritual life and growth. And why do worries choke the word, do you think? We made some observations about worry, so let me kind of go through a few things here. Worry is focused inward, right? So when we worry, we're thinking about how does this affect me? How, how am I going to deal with this? It prefers self-protection over trust. It can hear many encouraging words, even God's words, and stay unmoved. How many times have you had somebody say, oh, don't worry, it'll be okay? And you hear it, but you think, well, really, am I? I don't know. And, and so it's really, it's a very important thing. It can be life-dominating. It really can take control of you and, and to a point where you, you, you can't get it out of your mind. You're just worrying all the time. It is connected to your money and your desires, the things that are valuable to you. And it can, excuse me, it can reveal that you love something more than you love Jesus the King. Crowds Jesus out of your life. James chapter 1, 22 to 25, I'll just read that. You don't need to turn there. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. (laughs) But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. That kind of rang true to me. I, I don't know how many times I look at myself in the mirror, I'm shaving or whatever, and I go away and I think, I don't know, did I comb my hair? I don't know. <laughs> Did I miss a spot? It's, it's, it's a forgetful thing. We, we're so familiar with that face, we don't even have to think about what it looks like. <clears throat> when we discover those things that seem to cause us fear, examine them in the light of God's word and determine whether those things ought to have that importance for us. 
this is a concept that's going to repeat itself often as we talk about this, and I think you'll hear a, a real trend here. Do not worry. <clears throat> um, this we have seen is important and vital for our spiritual growth in Christ. Here are some thoughts to remind ourselves with when we fear. He is always near us. He always hears us. He will test us. That's kind of hard to hear, but he will test us like he did with the children of Israel, you know, where he, he made it hard for them, backs to the sea with the wilderness in front and the, and the army of Pharaoh coming after him. That was a test. It was a test when they had to trust that he would provide the manna. There were many tests, and we have tests all of our lives where God is asking us to trust him and making sure that we uh, want to focus on what he has to say. He gives us grace for today. <clears throat> he delivers. There, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Matthew six twenty-five to 34 is a good place to go to remind ourselves of how he cares for us. That's the passage about how he cares for the, the birds and, and, and nature and won't he care for you just as well or more. Um, our Father knows that we struggle with fears and, and he cares for us and provides for us. He asks, ask yourselves, what's important? Certainly food, clothes, and shelter are important, but he also tells us, blessed are the poor in spirit. And store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. So the real priority is to seek a relationship with our Father, to seek the kingdom first. Um, we're going to talk about the kingdom now. That's the, the next lesson there. So what is the kingdom? What is the kingdom? What do you think? In your mind, when you think of the kingdom of God, what is that? Heaven? Is it more than that? Good. So me being as faithful subject by the Spirit and being the ruler. Yep. This world is created as his realm. Yeah. It's all inclusive. Yeah. It's now and now and and eternity. Yes. It's all Exactly. Hey, see you could do this. You could <laughs> No, that's very good. And that's exactly what the point is, is that the kingdom is the realm of of the of the king. It's it's our king's realm, and um, it's our, our alternative to worry. And so if it is, we should learn a little more about the kingdom. Um, turn to Luke chapter 4. We're going to look at uh, verses 16 to 21 and then 18, uh, yeah, 16 to 21. <clears throat> And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to Proclaim the year of our Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. 
And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus is the embodiment of the kingdom. He's telling the people in the synagogue that the kingdom has come. As proof, he points to the works that he's done that fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah. He says, the poor are being cared for. The captives are set at liberty. The blind receive their sight. Liberty has been given to the oppressed. Now, of course, he's pointing to the works he's done there in Israel at that time. But do you see yourself in this as well? We are poor in spirit. Poor, you know, before he saves us, we are definitely poor. We, we, we have nothing. Um, he sets the captives at liberty. He liberates our souls when we turn to him. He takes away our blindness so that we can see his word and understand him. And he gives liberty to the oppressed. Um, so the kingdom is the kingdom of heaven, but it's not a faraway ethereal place. Um, the kingdom is where the king dwells. He dwells on earth in a new way, um, and, and he's amongst his believers, where he is firmly establishing his reign. Jesus has all authority. God began to bring about the kingdom as soon as Adam sinned. And we can go back to Genesis 3.15, where he talks about that promise in there about um, how he will, how he will uh, rescue his people. He, he chose an insignificant people, a rebellious, disobedient people, <clears throat> to, to bring about that reign of the king. So here's Israel. They're, they're the chosen people. They're the people whom God will bring the king through. And all they can do is disobe- disobey him, um, grumble at his provision, grumble when they run into a test or a trial, and, and yet God brings Jesus through, through, the, through the Israelites. And that makes the kingdom that much more magnificent, right? Because <clears throat> we, we think, in, in the way we would look at things, we would, we would choose people who would be obedient, who would try to follow his rule and his law, and that should be who the king would come through. But no, God chooses insignificant people like the Israelites. Um, to David, he says, in Second Samuel seven sixteen, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. That's a real great promise of Jesus, he said, and this is in Psalms. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. So it's not just promised, it's fulfilled in Jesus. Now, <clears throat> this kingdom requires our allegiance. Martin Luther said this, Fear of God is a filial fear that, as that of a son who loves his father and doesn't want to offend him or let him down. It is a respect of the highest magnitude. And we're going to talk more about this um, in other, other lessons. So our allegiance to the kingdom of God is nurtured by the very words of God. Um, the more we know about his kingdom, the more we will want to respond in the right way. Um, and it's especially true as we hear things that are spoken about our king, Jesus. It's demonstrated in our obedience. <clears throat> we become more like the king when we keep his laws. And that doesn't happen overnight. Uh, it doesn't happen by our own wills. It's small individual acts of obedience. 
we don't get there quickly. Um, in fact, it, I think it's we don't get there until heaven. You know, we we don't realize. And Psalm one nineteen spends a lot of time, a lot of psalms that spend a lot of time talking about uh, how we need to understand God's word better, how we need to obey His word and His laws and His statutes, and those are freeing for us. They're they're helpful for us. But we can't do it in our own strength. The kingdom is more important than the things of this earth. And our minds have to be involved by giving our allegiance to Jesus Christ. That is of ultimate value. All right, so protecting our own kingdom instead of trusting the king. Um, the author of Running Scared uh, points to our money uh, as being at the crossroads of what we value. Um, what sort of fears can you think of when we think about money? <clears throat> So the idea of getting a bigger barn to put your manna in is probably not a real good one, <laughs> right? Anything else you think of when you think of money and fear about money? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was driving home yesterday, and I was listening to the radio, and there was a guy talking about. Um, it was a commercial about some government agency that is to help people understand how to how to take care of their mortgage, how to how to deal with mortgage issues. And this guy was expressing his fears about mortgage, and it was it was just you know all the nightmares about that. What if we lose our house? Where are we going to live? What what will it do to the kids? And just on and on and on. And I thought this guy needs to hear about fear. Obviously, he's not looking at it from a godly perspective. But there is that I think where we think. Man, if I lose my house, I'll die. <laughs> but not necessarily. Maybe there's something else we have to learn through it. Other things that you think about when you think of fear about money. It's it's hard to exhaust the subject. I think there are there are a lot of fears when it comes to that. Um, if you only have enough, I won't fear anymore. Right. So then you say, what when is enough? When <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> Plan for the worst. Yeah, and hope for the best. <clears throat> yeah. But then when you have extra, you worry that something's going to happen to it. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Store up more, get some bigger barns. Yeah, again, that's the idea there. Get more. I never have enough. Yeah. 
It feels sometimes like our possessions possess us. And that's, that's really true. The more you have, the more you have to work. Um, I, I would expand this a little bit. You know, he, he focuses a lot on money being at the crossroads. But I would say that um, it could apply to things that we value. And when we value something, it easily becomes of higher importance than obedience to Jesus Christ. Right? Scripture has much to say in answer to this. And uh, we can, I want to focus on a passage that would help us uh, get a hold on, good hold on this. Uh, let's turn to John chapter 6. We'll look at John 6, verse 26 to 36. John 6, 36 to 26. Um, and, I, and I didn't print it out here. Let me just find it real quick. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. There is much more in there that Jesus talks about when it comes to this. And <clears throat> they were looking for Jesus because he fed them. And they thought... You know, here's, here's food. We get free food every time we see him, and, and he's taking care of our needs. He's feeding us. And he tells them, look for food that doesn't spoil. Look, because you're going to eat that, and, you, you know, a few hours later, you're hungry again. He tells them pretty clearly that he is the one who can provide that food. And so then they ask him, maybe trying to get him off on a rabbit trail or trying to distract him by saying, well, what must we do to do the works of God? And he says, believe in the one whom the Father sent. And that doesn't seem to be enough for them. They want to see more miracles. They, don't, they bring up the manna supplied by God in the wilderness. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Must have just made them gnash their teeth when they heard that. Because that was... That was a definite statement that I am the Son of God. I am the promised one. And they didn't want that. They didn't believe that. They, they, wanted, to, they wanted something else. So Jesus is the true manna. And we look to him to feed us spiritually 
physically and in every way. And so as we trust him, that, that's a really helpful thing to know. When we fear about our money or our possessions, we know that we can trust him to supply what we need. And there's always a, a sort of a cycle of where we want to have more, we want to grab, but then we realize, but he will supply. I can let go of that, hold it loosely in my hand because he's given it to me for, for my use and for my blessing, but it, it shouldn't be the thing I focus on. I need to focus on him, not on the things he's given me. Thank him for the things he's given me, but I need to focus on my love for him. So Jesus is that better manna. Um, and it's, it's always good to remember that. When we partake of the Lord's Supper each, each, we, each Lord's Day, we're carrying out Jesus' instructions about that. And that's when we're feeding on that better manna. So there's a pattern to this. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but the Father genuinely cares for our daily needs and is constantly caring for his children. He wants this care to point us to something better. We don't find our life and our strength in Jesus Christ. We will go from one worry to the next. There's always that turning back to him in trust and saying, take care of my needs. Well, I, I always like to compare needs to want. Um, I remember someone telling me, I don't remember where I heard it or how, but it came at a crucial time when when we were, I was out of work for that period of time, like 10 months and, it was kind of day by day to see what what we'd be able to do. And someone said to me, I may not have everything I want, but I have everything I need. Um, and that really stuck with me. I, I, I think of that a lot. And I know that the things I need are provided by a gracious God who knows my needs before I even ask him and supplies them in his care. The kingdom is God's. The things that uh, compromise our allegiance to the kingdom, make us vulnerable, and and those are the things that when we think we can, when we think of the things we can get out of the kingdom. So, the reason we're called to lay up our treasure in heaven is that we are His treasure, His treasured possession. That's that's an amazing concept. When you are confident that you are the Father's treasured possession, you are also confident that his loving care will continue forever. And we know that about God. He is sovereign. His care always is, is over us. He provides you know, the, the things that we, we take for granted every day, even that we don't even think about. God's there providing. He just wants us to take those small steps of obedience when we hear his word. <clears throat> so this is not about my wants, but... Um, because we are not the king. We are servants of the king. So grace for today and tomorrow. So why doesn't God tell us what we would like to know about our futures? Because it would be nice to know, right? To say, well, uh, he's going to put this or that test in front of me. And I, you know, what, I, can, I can plan for it. I, can, I know what to do then. <laughs> um, it, it's, really, it's really kind of a logical thing to think that way. But it doesn't work. Um, we would think that as a loving father, he would want to give us, his children, a leg up. Now, anxiety asks for more information so it can be prepared for future calamities to face us. It asks for more information so it can manage the world apart from God. There again, we want to take over. We want to do it ourselves and, 
And it, well, thank you, God, but I think I got this one. <laughs> it just doesn't work. So that's another lie we believe. You know, Satan tells us, yeah, you can do this. Did God really say? Yeah. So when you feel yourself going in that direction, I think you kind of need to go back and think, wait, what kind of temptation is Satan throwing in front of me here? I need to go back and look at God's word and, and trust him for what I need. Um, and you can kind of remember the observations we made about worry. And, and um, it always thinks about the future. Worst case scenario, um, so I can be prepared and so on. We have an abundance of God's grace in his word. Um, it's God's preparation manual for the future. So some questions to ask yourself. Do you study it? you search it for insights when you are anxious? What are some things that you do kind of around understanding God's word? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When we're kind of close to the end, I'm going to give you a bunch of things that I've read in Psalms. And, and the, you know, the more I've studied this, the more places I find in God's word that are just so hopeful and blessing. Um, he takes away our fears by just providing his word to say, this, this, is, this is how you deal with this. This is how you understand it. And part of that is, is reciting who God is to ourselves by seeing what it says about God in his word. John 15, verse 15 says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. What a rich verse. All that Jesus has heard from his father, he's made known for us. And most of that is right here in his word. Sometimes we we can... Um, we can discern God speaking to us. I won't say hear it because that's, that's not really true. That's a false concept. But it's definitely God brings thoughts to our mind that, that clarify what, what he says to us and, and how we are to deal with things. So we're not just his servants, though we are that. We are also his friends. Um, he's made known to us all that he's heard from the Father. What a glorious thought. So grace for today, we, we answered the question about what the kingdom is. And um, one of the things that we understand as we are in the kingdom is where the love for our king is a delight, is our delight. And that in dealing with fear, sometimes the best way to help that along is to um, love another person. And that can be hard because there are people around us who... They're angry because of their fear. They say things that are hurtful and harmful. And so to look at them in a compassionate light and, and understand these people are afraid and answer them kindly, answer them gently. Um, it isn't always easy to do, but we, if, we, if we strive for that, I think it helps our fear as well. Um, <clears throat> Grace for Tomorrow. I want to read a quote from Ed Welch from his book. It's quite helpful. 
God our Father tells us that there is nothing in the future that can interfere with our kingdom mission. If the difficulty you anticipate comes upon you, you will receive grace to know God's love and grace to love someone else. If you get in the car accident you dread, you will have the grace to know that God is with you and you will have grace to bear fruit in that situation. If your loved one dies before you, you will have grace to know God's comfort and to shine brightly as you reflect your Father's glory. If poverty knocks on your door, you will have grace to trust your king and know that poverty cannot detract from your privilege of being an ambassador who blesses others in his name. As children and stewards who aren't in control but trust the one who is, the assurance of such grace is a blessing. I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> that was, that's really, really helpful to, to think about that. So when we experience the hardships of life, we may be tempted to try to take control of our circumstances. That's always kind of an inbuilt temptation for us to say, uh, I got to do this. I, I have to do something because it feels good to do something. It's like when you're driving in traffic and, and you think, well, I could go this way because it, it's, it's longer and, and stuff, but at least there aren't traffic lights and the traffic isn't jammed up there. I'll just go that way. And it might take you just as long to go that way as it did to go the slow route through the traffic because at least you feel like I'm moving. I'm doing something. Even though it's slower, I'm doing something. Um, but it's kind of the same with our lives. We say, well, I'm in the middle of a test. I, I need to do something. And I think that doesn't always help us. Um, we can't protect ourselves, and really withholding lifestyle means we don't believe that there will be manna for tomorrow. We don't believe we will have enough of God's grace. First Corinthians 12.9 says, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So this grace uh, means we do not have an impersonal God. He cares personally for every need that we have. He is personal and he is active. And you think of the Israelites again, you know, when they complained, they weren't calling out to God necessarily and saying, oh, God, help us. Well, there were times when they did that. It was usually after they had sinned really badly. But often their grumbling was just, oh, Moses, you let us out of Egypt, and we don't have our onions and our leeks and our garlic. And, we, you know, they grumbled, but God heard them and acted to bless them in spite of who they were, in spite of their complaining and their grumbling. He always rescued them. When we cry out to God, he hears us and he, he acts. He takes care of us and we can trust that. Jesus is on his throne. While earthly kings receive gifts, Jesus gives gifts to his chosen people. Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So these are the gifts of the Spirit. And we, when we prayerfully seek these gifts, God can put them to use. He will hear us as we seek those, and he will act. Um, as you consider your, the future and the anxieties you feel, remember you'll be given the grace you need to live in that time. That's a real great promise. We will have the grace we need to live in that time to, to endure what we go through. J.S. Bach always began his compositions with SDG, which meant Soli Deo Gloria, 
and would often insert, Yesu Juban, I'm not, a, I'm not good at Latin, so I'm not sure that's right, which meant, help me, Jesus. Uh, we need to start each day with this idea in mind, that the day is for God's glory. Jesus, help us through that day. Um, and then end that day with thanksgiving to him for the way he supplied. Right, well, he tells us to seek his face. Um, so let's review a minute what we've learned. Fear and worry are more about us than the things inside, outside of us. They reveal what we value. What we value turns into kingdom allegiances. God is patient and compassionate with us. He supplies grace. He persists in calling us to the beauty of his kingdom and gives us more than we can imagine. The knowledge of these things should, be, should help us abolish our, our anxieties quickly, but God values um, strong foundations that are established as we feed on him and meditate on his word. We should anticipate slow, steady change with lots of tests along the way. Warriors need to be expert in a few passages. And so I'm going to... I'll list list these out. I don't know if I put these in the notes or not. Did I? Uh, Yeah. Maybe. No, I didn't. Okay. Um, Here's a little list. Uh, The story of Exodus 16, where God gave them the manna. Matthew 6, uh, some very good things there for you to focus on. Luke 12, uh, those are kind of adding some detail on that. Some of the Psalms, um, Psalm 46, Psalm 57 and 58, Psalm 91, they all give us great help as we understand through them what God is and see his awesome power to help us. I want to end our time. I've got just enough time, I think with a couple of passages, and um, I, I know I probably won't, <laughs> excuse me, I won't get through reading it. So I'm going to ask someone to read it for us. Who, who could read Psalm 27? You okay, thank you.
Wow. Um, this is a passage I think is worthy of memorization and probably one we could call back to many times as we face different trials. Let's look at a few things there. Verses 1 through 3, he begins with a statement of confidence in the Lord. He describes the Lord in words that are very helpful for us. He's the light, the salvation, the stronghold, and these all are a source of confidence for us and for him. In verses 4 through 6, he says one thing. Um, he makes his request to God, and he is confident that he is con- to the God he is confident in. And then in verses 7 through 12, it's kind of a model prayer for us. When you feel troubled, pray these verses. And, and, you know, praying the Psalms is a really good way to manage our fears and to help us through difficult times. And then he ends with more confidence, um, an expression of confidence because he believes in the God who saves him. And I, I think these, all of these Psalms are so uplifting that way. When we read them, we realize... We're not the only ones who have feared or will fear, but God gives us a way to get through it. And meditation on these passages is really, really a helpful thing to do. And the more you meditate on these, when you encounter fears, which you will, you'll be able to deal with them. You'll be able to call that back to mind and think, oh, but I serve a great God. He is my light and my salvation. Isaiah 66, 1, I'm just going to end with that. Thus says the Lord... Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made. And so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Um, Questions or comments? Got a couple minutes. It probably would. So yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. The second thing is, don't think because you're worrying that you're worse than anybody else or you've lost your salvation. No. Your right. Part is in his family. He knows what we're going through and he knows what you need and he, he has already provided. That's absolutely right. In fact, I think the worry that he that, that comes from the tests that he gives us or a way that he calls us to himself, calls us to a relationship with him, to seek him, because he wants to bless us through that trial. And, and when we go to him with our fears and our concerns and the things that are really worrying us, he's going to take care of that. He's going to hear you, and he's going to answer your fears. Yeah. And he said himself that's sufficient for the day or the worries thereof. Yeah. That's enough. We don't need any more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what a great verse. We, you know, we we could probably spend an hour just sharing verses with each other. Charlie. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then further down, Lord, you said, seek my face. My soul says, I will seek your face, right? So we know the end. We know that Christ is born. He has conquered. And he is finishing up this work in time so that we might be brought to him in glory forever. Yeah. Where we will inquire in the house of the Lord, gaze upon the business of the kingdom of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, terrific promises for sure in God's word. Other thoughts? So next week we're going we're gonna to pick up with a discussion about um, death and um, um, fear of death and fear of judgment, oh, fear of, fear of uh, other men. And so all of those things will be Uh, I think we'll find some helpful verses on that as well, some things that will help us to deal with those things. Well, with that, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for the tremendous blessing of your word. Um, It makes the trials of our life bearable, and it gives us hope, great hope for the future. We pray that as we understand that hope, that you would, Help us to be beacons of hope to those around us as well. Help us to view those who are angry or, or fearful uh, with compassion and help them through it as well. Bless our, our time now as we end this class and, and prepare to worship you. May we do it well. Do it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat>